It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show, James Van Alstom. Right, so look at this. We are rec- we're officially recording. This is it. This this is the show. This is good. We're we're doing this. I'm James Van Ostel. That right there is Ike Riley. And Christmas, Ike Riley, is Saturday. Oh, yeah. It's this coming. It's a thing. It's coming up this Saturday. If you've procrastinated gifts, stocking stuffers, you can load up on Buona gift cards. When you buy $25 in gift cards, you get a $5 bonus card for free. For free. And you can do that in-store or online and maybe take that extra $5 card, give it to a mail person, maybe a friend from work. Keep a it mail, for yourself. A mail, like a female or a male? Someone who delivers your mail from the post United States Post. A post person. All right. A, a post person sounds like <laughs> something that, hap- that happens after the uh, apocalypse. I thought you were just wanted to give cards to men. I, I, I do. Of course. Anyway, buy $25 worth, get five bucks free. That's what I'm trying to say. In fact, you can make your Buona experience even better. Take 10% off your mobile or online orders with my promo code. That's how you know I've made it, Ike Riley. I've got my own promo code. What is it? Carne 10. I'm going to go. I am actually going to go get some cards after this. Carne 10. 10% off your online or mobile order. And all that said, we're at a Buona. We're at the Buona in Mount Prospect, 861 East Rand Road in Mount Prospect. My guest, I said his name already, but let me add more context. He is a man whose voice, lyrics, and songs are entirely unique, original, unforgettable. And... I believe at this point he is the most famous person currently living in Libertyville. Frank Thomas moved out, right? <laughs> I don't know. Frank might be there. I think he moved to Barrington. I don't. So I think you move up the depth chart. There may be more famous people than me there still. You know, we've got the choir boy bank robber. He's more famous than me, but is he though? Maybe not. Is he though? Uh, so yes, that is Ike Riley, a longtime friend, super talented artist. I am delighted. I am honored. I am pleased to be sharing. Buona with him in the car, and we've waited too long. See, here's the thing: we haven't seen each other in person for probably two years. It was at the uh, a benefit at the at the bottom lounge thing. So it's been two years this and month. Before that, it was really a long time. It was really a long time. So we caught up a lot before we started recording, which means the food may be getting cold. That's okay. Uh, but we have a milkshake. Uh, I'll do my job here first before I dig into. That oh, you don't want to eat and talk. Oh, do you want to eat and talk? It's up to you. I mean, maybe you don't want to have the milkshake as we eat and talk, because then you get like the dairy throat. Like well, you'd never I, sing after after having a shake, would you? I've put so many liquids into my body and then sung. I'm not sure, but I'll do whatever you want. Music to my ears. Okay, so we both got hot dogs. Here's the thing about Buona. Yes, they're famous for Italian beef and the beef and sausage. They have the Italian beef list, which a lot of artists tend to like. Um, I had the uh, Italian beef and Jardinera pizza last week. You got a hot dog. I thought, I don't think I've ever had a hot dog at Buona. Now's a good time. Yeah, we'll do it. Got you some fries. Thank you, James. Uh-huh. Got myself some fries. And I got you the single dog. No onions. That's right? true. Mm-hmm. And because I'm more committed to this whole experience, I got the double dog. You got the double dog. Yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good. I'm not playing games here. So for your show, we eat and talk, right? Yeah. All right. I'm a really sloppy eater. I don't know anyone who's a delicate eater, especially when I have musicians in the car. <laughs> so let's talk about you, Ike Riley. Let's, okay, James. 
Let's talk about the, the new album. It is Because the Angels. Uh, record release show happening next year in February. Yeah, it was going to be this week, but we postponed it because of the uptick in COVID. Keeping the fans safe. Yeah. It's Keeping also yourself a, safe. It's also a food drive for the Libertyville Township Food Pantry. That's cool. Which is, uh, my friend is the Libertyville Township Supervisor. So everyone will bring a bag of non-perishable goods. They'll get a coupon for some Ike Riley music, which we think might deter a few of the donations, but we're going <laughs> to we're gonna offer it anyway. Uh, one of the most self-deprecating, which I think is a Midwestern thing, self-deprecating artists I know. Uh, here is the Double Dog. This is going to be, if, you, if you're worried about yourself eating while doing this, putting two of these in my mouth at the same time, this is going to be... You're really shilling this 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 place. I like that. I love Wona. Oh, are they the sponsor? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, remember that whole thing about the gift cards? <laughs> I thought you were just excited about it. Yeah. Oh, we're, you are. I mean, you are excited about we're it. We're at a Wona location. I just read their sponsorship message. Yeah, I just thought you were, uh, you know, kind of wildcat in it. I'm a fan and a promotional partner. How about oh, that? That's good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I straddled both those worlds. <laughs> but let's be honest you've known me for a while I'll straddle anything um, I was going to say how many times have you said straddle in this car <laughs> <laughs> alright so the album let's go to that as we try to eat the hot dogs this is a challenge I've already spilled onions and relish everywhere my, my kids favorite hobby is coming in the car the day after I record and guessing what I had for dinner <laughs> oh you had Mexican I thought you were going to say it was licking the seats no, that's, that's, that, and I was like we got to talk to this kid <laughs> yeah I've raised them to be better than that. Thank you very much. Just a bit. Uh, so this, Ike Riley, this, this new album, this, I think, is perhaps your most musically interesting album to date. Um, I think you're, you're doing lots of cool stuff here. Mm-hmm. Well, this is unbelievable. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. I know that I'm dripping milkshake all over my London Fog raincoat, but... <laughs> Your milkshake brings all the podcasters to the yard. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, well, it was, it's a, definitely a musical record. It's, it's got some of my uh, my favorite recordings that I've been a part of since I've been doing this on there for sure. Well, you did a lot of this live to tape, right? We did. I mean, the basic tracks for sure. Now, for someone who doesn't understand the process, I mean, that's not necessarily the norm anymore. I don't know what the norm is. I'm so isolated from what anybody else does. But, I mean, you just, like, one take, just get it all down. Kind of, you know. For this, I had a bunch of songs. We recorded a 16-track, 2-inch tape, which is, I think people still record. You recorded on tape? Oh, yeah. You are um, so old school. I love that. Some of it. But then once we get that done, we load that into a, some software called Pro Tools. Mm -hmm. And then I overdubbed, uh, and most of them I sung to those songs, you know. And we overdubbed the trickery, like any kind of weird guitars. Although the basic rhythm guitars that I played and that Phil, my guitar player, Phil Carnets, played are all from the basic sessions. This is the old radio guy in me. You mentioned trickery. Let's talk about trick, trick of the Light. 
Yes. The album or the song that brings us in. Uh, I, I, I'm a fan of your lyrics, and I think anyone who talks to Ike Riley says, oh, my God, those songs you write, those stories you tell. Uh, the line, all those petty conceits, tribal beliefs, cultural creeds, and false tea leaf reads. I love that. Thank what, you. What are we talking about in this song? Well, it's about, you know, the... You know the intricacies of large families, and and how sometimes you can get bogged down with like the most petty things, and some of those things maybe are derived from your culture, your family. You know, and are these kind of thoughts things that bubbled up because of being stuck at home with family? For I wrote that before uh, before the whole thing went down. It's the kind of things that bubble up when you're in a family. <laughs> You know, um, and again, it, it's also about false hope, the song, mm-hmm. you know, it, which is funny because the song seems to provide a lot of joy to people when they hear us play it, particularly live. And, uh, uh, but, you know, it's about the struggles of being in a family, you know, and, and you know, all the perception people have you know so much of it is false like what you think people in your own family are believing about you you know and some of it's true Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so it's just about kind of dealing with that and you know looking for some uh i mean it's actually it 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 isn't a song that i think (laughs) would make people want to look towards the future too much but well they're not paying attention to the lyrics it's temp. It feels more joyful than the lyrics let it let you in on. I mean, that's partially why I wanted my family to sing it with me, because mm-hmm. uh, we all are recognizing uh, the flaws and of our of ourselves within the family and the foibles that you know we participate in, but. When we sing it together, and if people don't know, the lead vocals are shared by my three sons and myself, and it's somewhat of a conversation, and you know, and uh, but when we sing it, it's a riot and it's joyful, and you know, we get all our shit right out on the table. I want to say just so you don't feel weird, I'm chowing down this entire hot dog because, as you know, when you start a hot dog. You can't just set it down for a minute. Well, I had to. Well, but then it becomes like beat the clock because then the bun gets a little moist and it's, it starts to fall apart. So you really have to eat it quickly before it all ends up on your lap. It, it's a race against time, Mike Riley. I know it. Um, so I was trying to just spew out some answers so you could get that hot dog down. Thank you. So with your kids, your sons, mm-hmm. they're not kids. Had they always been interested in what you did musically, or did they go into it kicking and screaming? Was uh, there a rebellious period where they weren't interested in music at all? No, they 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 weren't. You know, I mean, they were around. Everything that I did musically was done in our you know our studio was in the house. Mm-hmm. People were coming in and out, musicians. I never. They weren't like in bands or in band or any of that shit. My oldest boy started writing songs, um, and the younger two were our big music fans, 
but none of this really came about until just prior to the lockdown. And then once we were locked down, we started doing this family live streams. And, you know, so they did like 25 gigs with me. And Yeah, you were doing that a lot. I think we were doing it every, for a while, every two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then to a month. And I mean, we just did a Christmas show right now that you could still watch, you know. Um, but that really was a, an immersion in uh, singing and putting on a show and and it it worked out and they and are you know unfortunately for them they sound a little bit like me and that genetic connection is cool for harmonization it's awesome yeah it's pretty good well, I was talking about putting on a show I mean Trick of the Light has kind of a traveling roadshow vibe it's a strange song you know with three different lead vocalists my band which you know can handle any kind of I mean like you said the record is all over the place and uh, they're dex uh, nimble enough to, you know, have a gentle touch or a hard touch. But that that song is is kind of a, you know, I it's not like the band's the weight, but it's inspired by that changing lead vocal. Let's talk a little bit about where this album goes sonically. I mean, you go right for straight up country music on this. You've got country vibes. More than I ever have. Ever. For sure. And what colors a lot of that is the pedal steel, which is Pistol from the band Cracker. He was nice enough to play on it. But I've always kind of steered clear of that kind of stuff. Almost steered clear of, I even steered clear of blues music for a long time, even though it's such a part of what I do. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but uh, but there are some real uh, country kind of influence songs on this record. Like Laura, the, the the guitar licks on that are very country western. I tried to make the songs. I shouldn't say I tried to make. I'm happy that the songs that are the most country are the most radical lyrics, in the sense that they wouldn't be. They wouldn't necessarily be popular among country fans. Exactly. They might be. I don't know every country fan, but you know, you're not going to hear a Toby Keith singing Laura or the failure of Saint Michael. Speaking of the failure of Saint Michael, you mentioned harmonies. I think that's a great example. Yeah, that's a that's that is a that's a great example. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the this when I first heard this album, and I mentioned this to you. The one that grabbed me. Instantly, probably not surprisingly, was Ashes to Ashes. Yeah, that's uh, well, that's one of those songs that we just captured on tape too. It's, it's kind of like I don't know if that's a country song or a, a R and B song. Um, it's a weird tale about, you know, I was in Mexico, in the mountains for a few weeks, pulling teeth on a dental mission trip, and uh. And I wrote that song down there because I was sleeping on the floor of this church called San Miguel, and there were all these, um, there were all these uh, effigies and of Jesus, like in glass caskets, and there was just so much of Mexican art, both secular and non-secular, deals with death, and uh, 
which I'm a fan of the art. <laughs> and uh, so I did meet a girl down there and I kind of built this song around our meeting. But really what I, what was just in, reaffirmed that no matter where we're from, you know, we're humans and we should be bound by our humanity and our life and our death. And so much of that separates us. So that song is really, you know, it's just an affirmation that we are all definitely going to die and be in the earth. Now that song, this was originally like seven minutes long. It, it I have a, yeah. Did, did you basically just like fade it down when you started to jam? We just, play, yeah, the, the jam at the end is really, really great. In fact, it's going to be on the vinyl release. Awesome. It's really cool. Uh, it's, again, it these songs were recorded to tape. We did a couple different takes of them. And the end is just, you know, it's it shows uh, the improvisational uh, nature that my band uh, has, both live and in, on recordings. And it also shows the, you know, that we have the confidence to do that. Just so many uh, years of playing together and mm -hmm. shows and recordings, and and it's in a way it's got. I mean, it, we're all working from the same framework. We're all working from the same blueprint. Blueprint, <laughs> but uh, people are going off a little bit. It's it to me. It sounds like uh, it should be. Uh, you know, played during a car chase. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's got an edge to it, but it all it rocks. Yeah. It's got some tempo. Yep. And it's you know it's the the groove is rock solid, man. It's it's pretty cool. So you mentioned pulling teeth in Mexico. The thing about Ike Riley, I always this is I hate this metaphor, but talking to you is always like peeling back layers of the onion. I always find and learn new things when I talk to you, whether it's a life experience of being in Mexico. All that is to say, I wonder if you're bringing in a previous occupation. You talk about digging the grave and fuck the good old days. You used to be a grave digger. Is that a callback to the ghost of Ike Riley past? Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it's a part of, you know, I worked at Ascension Cemetery for seven summers. And uh, it was a, it had an indelible impact on me. You know, I was young. How could it not? I was probably, I attended... 200 funerals before I was probably 24. You know, now I wasn't an invited guest. I was in a gray uniform in the behind the pine tree, <laughs> waiting for waiting for people to go to the, uh, you know, uh, Gale Street Inn so I could fill the grave in. <laughs> but um, yeah, it religion and I, and my jobs have had a. You know they've colored what I've written about, like like I assume mm -hmm. they would for anybody. For sure, and we've talked about how interesting and diverse. This is a fucking gag cup, right? You got me the gag cup. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, you fell for it. Merry Christmas twice, <laughs> and you know what? I'm not banking that it won't happen again. No. Sorry about the London fog, but a high caliber coat like that, it can take it. It's. I'll pick the trash up later. So All we're right. talking about the diverse palette of sounds and styles that you pull from. For this album, How, does that sound pretentious enough? Yeah, keep it pretentious. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're uh, sitting in your car in a parking lot eating hot dogs. I think we can <laughs> err on the side of pretentious. Exactly. So we're talking about fuck the good old days. There's like that gospel hand clapping vibe going on in there. 
I love that. That was the whole band. We laid a kick drum. The the beat of the song is just a. It's just a. It's a kick drum. Perfectly played by the great Dave Cotini, and perfectly recorded by another Italian, Dave Maratona, and uh, and uh, but it didn't have enough movement, not the part. So that was an overdub we did to tape right there, all around some vintage mics up at Fat Studios, and uh, that's hand claps. But Dave had some weird bag of shells too. I don't know what they were, but if you hear it, it's like, there's this little shaking going on because Dave had a, a bag of shells and it's a it's a really cool rhythm track. Super fun. And again, the album, it's called Because the Angels, Final Coming Soon with the extended version of Ashes to Ashes. I wanted to talk about the last song on the album because Raquel Blue, this is kind of the song like you'd hear when the credits roll. This This really is a fitting end to the album. It's a song we close our show to now also. And so we, we hadn't played, you know, our, we, we went out and did 18 shows in November around the Midwest. And so Raquel Blue, uh, you asked me earlier, I mean, about the record. This seems to be, it's my favorite recording that we've ever done. And That uh, song. That song, that, that, that recording of that song. And it's, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's a again it's a narrative that isn't like a point A to point B it's kind of some it's impressionistic you know like there's there's these little anecdotes within it but musically it has a melancholy vibe mm-hmm. and a longing vibe and there's this gang vocal that you probably have heard it's like whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. And I was thrilled to have this happen a couple times. It would be the last song in our set. And, you know, we had played, the record had come out in October, and we were at a club in St. Louis opening, you know, and first shows are always kind of tough. This one wasn't very tough. And we were really ready. And we closed with an a cappella ending to that song of those gang vocals with all three of my boys and the whole band singing it and the whole uh, club singing it and then we went into the dressing room and I kept hearing it continue and I thought you know they put the record on or something but the audience had, wow. the audience had kept singing it until we came back out and that happened a few times on the road and it was unfortunately they filmed and recorded this whole tour so how great does that feel it was pretty it was kind of chilling in a way it was like for a new song new song yeah wow that's and, awesome and it was and and that song uh, brought a real communal feel between the band and the audience and I used to take all that stuff for granted when I was a drunk um, you know like uh, that anything you could write would be meaningful to somebody else but well and I think people feel like they know you through your caricatures and the, and the stories you tell, I think at the very minimum, your fans think they have an insight into you personally. Maybe. I, I do feel that when people uh, come to the shows, there's a, they do have a familiarity with mm-hmm. me that could only uh, 
that upon our meeting could only disappoint them. <laughs> you know? I mean, you know, because that's that's what it's funny. Like there, people are actors, and people understand that. You know, nobody wants to necessarily uh, kill or uh, you know attack Scorsese because he makes violent movies or or. But there's a weird uh, middle area, I, I think, of musicians, you know. I mean, songs are based in truth. These aren't necessarily all self-referential songs. Mm -hmm. you know? Right, the, of course. There's situations that evolve into songs. Um, but there's also enough of uh, me and them, too, to where, uh, you know, the, the line between truth and lies and who I am and who the character in the song is they're blurry and uh, it's weird because sometimes people forget that you you're making all this stuff up right I'm sure you know the new album is because the angels before we continue talking Ike Riley I do want to again mention we're at Buona in Mount, in Mount Prospect because they're a sponsor. And I really did enjoy that hot dog. I'm going to really enjoy these french fries. I should mention, since we're at Bona, uh, it's Bona's 40th anniversary year of their family business. Cheers to 40, Bona. And you can be part of the celebration. Join My Bona Rewards today and get free Bona. All new members get 1,500 points, or do you say 1,500? 1,500. Yeah, you do. Get rewarded every time you visit. That's with My Bona Rewards. Who owns this operation? The Bona family. Family owned 40 years. That's really nice. Are they still running it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All from Chicago? Or... I, I believe, and I, I'm no Buona expert. Uh, I just claim to be right now. I believe they're Berwyn-based. I think that's where the first one started, and I, I think that's their base of operations. Over near Fitzgerald's, the nightclub. Over by Dare. <laughs> right off 290. Berwyn, Illinois, home of Buona Beef. Gotta be fucking Spend Do you need more napkins? I have wet wipes. Give me a wet wipe. How many times has that been out in this car? Every week. Every week. Straddle and wet wipe. Uh -huh. Welcome aboard, Ike Riley. So as we talk about things like your, your grave digging past and your Mexico tours, your touring as a musician, I'm sure you've been asked this. I'm sure I've probably asked this of you in, in years past. Why not write a book? Because that's too hard. And songs are easy. <laughs> They're short, um, you know, their songs are for the lazy writer, I think. But um, I, I feel like you need to get all this stuff down on paper instead of these, these one-off anecdotal stories. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting stuff. I mean, you are the rock and roll everyman. Yeah, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on that tonight. You're not going to. Yeah, I how, about a, how about a screenplay? I've... I've I've dabbled in all that. That's how I got a record deal. I was working on a screenplay, and I sent it to this friend of mine. He was an acquaintance. You were involved in my life at this time. I was. And uh, you remember when I was hanging out at the studio in Elston? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, we recorded stuff there. Yes, we did. In fact, it still exists. Yeah. Um, I sent... I, I believe you played Angels and Whores in that session. I may have you. You're, you're better okay. than I am at that. That's right. Go ahead. So I was working on this treatment, and I sent it to this guy, and he says uh, he said he he liked it, and then 
uh, he said, what else are you doing? I said, oh, I've been fucking around with some songs. And I, he goes, could you send them to me? And I said, yeah. And I sent him the demos, which mm-hmm. were on the, for the first record. And so that was like hip hop thighs. Hail, hail. Oh. And, and he calls me back. I get you a fucking record deal. I said, oh, yeah, okay, I've been doing this. I was already doing it for like 20 years. I'm like, sure you will. Uh-huh. And uh, his name was Daniel Nix. He was, he's still a friend of mine. And sure enough, within a couple of weeks of, you know. It was quick. He called me up. Well, a couple of things fell through, but. I got like I didn't even have a band, you know, and uh, and I was working with Ed Tinley, right. who I just gotten to know, and um, and within a couple of weeks I had all these record companies, you know, sniffing around. They, I think DreamWorks or somebody offered me a deal, and I was all I was like really like like I was kind of shocked. And I, like my wife and I remember we went out and I, I think we, you know, celebrated. And then in typical fashion, like two weeks later, I actually got signed by a guy that was in the Dust Brothers, which are production guy named Mike Simpson. Mm -hmm. He had done like Beck's record Mm -hmm. and his famous first song was Tone Loke's Wild Thing. So, Mm -hmm. and he wanted to make a record with me. Then he called, he had a, then he called me and said, hey, they changed their mind. I'm like, that's what I thought was going to happen. Which really, you know, after having your guard up for your whole life, you're like, all right, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm fine, you know, just mm-hmm. writing songs. And so that was disappointing. And then Daniel Nick said, fuck them, don't worry about it. And then I wrote and recorded, put a little love in it, and that song, Comedy Drives Nova. Mm-hmm. And he went back out like, four months later and everybody else came back and I ended up signing with uh, you know the wrong people but it doesn't <laughs> but it was it was funny I'm just literally as obscure sitting you know living in Libertyville but I was most of my time was spent on Elston and Armitage oh yeah for sure and at the Riptide <laughs> but um, so the, the album Salesman and Racist that was 20 years ago yep which 20 years ago this year yep what have you learned since then Oh, you know, I learned you shouldn't waste a ton of time working. I know I shouldn't say it that way. If you waste a ton of time writing and recording songs, you shouldn't go out on tour and be drunk the whole time. That's one thing I learned. Two things is I... Lesson for the kids at home. Yeah, I mean, I put so much... I don't know if it was effort, but I put more care into the creation of the songs than the presentation of them live I didn't I took uh, I took for granted that people who heard the songs would be moved by them you know I couldn't I don't know if that's like a I don't really have like a self-esteem issue but I was like are you kidding me you know people come to the shows with lyrics tattooed on them um, um, and I and instead of celebrating I'd be like what the fuck are you doing to your body <laughs> you know I, and I was, I, I'm like can't do that you know because it's you can't change that and people really did have M- many times wow yeah well, I still think I mean I, I haven't talked with you about that album in a very long time I still think Crave is a, a minor Ike Riley masterpiece it's a cool production I don't like the way I sung that version um, but I, I really 
that was a lot of produ- the production. A lot of that record is Ed Tinley. You know, I mean, I didn't have I didn't know anything about recording at all. And he had worked with uh, all sorts of people. Uh, and he, I mean, he was a he was a guy that could play. He still can play. Play. He's been involved on every record I've ever made. You know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that song has horns and has military drum beat and and uh, it's it's a pretty song. You it know? is. I don't ever play it, but I think I'm going to start. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, it's cool. I just I wasn't I couldn't get into it in the middle of our our, our songs are kind of diverse, you know, and and the vibe of the show can be you know celebratory celebratory and raucous and sometimes it's hard to bring the more intimate songs into the live set but we've been doing it and we've been doing it with my boys on the road because we break down and shane my son uh comes out and joins me on the muhammad ali museum Mm -hmm. and then we play one of his songs which Which of course is like the only song from the new album i didn't mention That's all right. That's all right. I think I covered everything else. You've covered a lot. All right, so if you're not going to do a screenplay, if you're not going to write a book, we know... I didn't say I'm not going to. It's not in the immediate future, but we do know that there has been a documentary swirling around you. There has been, and I just saw a long, long version of it, and I'm not too ashamed. It's so, it's it's pretty incredible, actually. They've been... Um, I have footage of my first foray into CBGBs, and it looks wow. like 1989, maybe. Oh, wow. I've got footage from the hotel when I was working. I've got, uh, uh, and and part of the film is the intersection between my family and the band, which is something I never really expected, as we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. But we have footage of those kids being around the music and being involved when they were really little and it culminates with their performances at the first avenue in minneapolis and their participation in this new record and it's about failure and financial struggles and uh alcoholism and religion and uh camaraderie and uh, in other words stuff we can all relate to i think so don't you think absolutely yeah, I mean, I uh, the last thing I want, man, I, I couldn't watch a music documentary if my life depended on it. So that's the only thing I I said to these people. I mean, it's got to have, it's got to deal with it, it. Make it so somebody that isn't some Wicker well, you, Park hipster, you know, is that? Yeah, even, you didn't want like ninety minutes of someone jerking you off, talking, talking about how. No, great I you have are. a film of that. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> It's um, it's huge in Japan for reasons I can't understand. <laughs> you can understand. <laughs> um, yeah, they, who knows? It it also it. I said make it a you know try to make it a commercial for the songs. I said you know <coughs> have it do something for me. <laughs> you know? As uncomfortable as you are listening back to yourself or watching yourself, you've done music videos. Yeah. How do you feel when you watch yourself doing those? Uh, usually I got some control over those, so I'm, I'm like, all right, that's not too bad. Okay. It's, uh, you know, and I'm and I'm not, you know, I'm not in Kirksville, Missouri on a Wednesday night in front of 90 people where I just did 20 shots of vodka and a Red Bull, took a hit of weed and went and played or something, you know. Uh, 
I don't really regret. I do. Re- I do regret some of that, and that's what's interesting about watching this footage. You're like, oh my god. But don't you feel, with the benefit of being of uh, the age you're at now, all that stuff, all that, all the misdeeds, all the stuff you did when you were younger, they allowed you to be who you are now, and you're pretty well, happy with who you are now. I wasn't unhappy with who I was then. I'm happy. I'm unhappy with who I was then now. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> That's a fair distinction. I mean, I think I'm, when we talked about the inability for humans to dwell on their own death too long, their brain won't allow it. You, I, mm-hmm. That was off the air, though. It was off the air. We, we got really deep. Yeah, okay. but I think uh, I have the inability to dwell on how much I hate myself for only, you know, I can only dwell on it for like three or four days at a time. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. So you are Ike Riley. I'm glad we got to do this because last time we talked, it was you know, it was virtual. Oh yeah, was that the same show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. When the pandemic hit, I'd been in this podcast for six plus years, and I thought, if I don't find a way to keep the podcast going, it's dead. Like I, I've got to keep the podcast alive because who knew how long it would be before I could emerge and start doing the podcast from the car again? So I started doing it nightly from home. Once the pandemic hit, did Just, you do one every night? Yeah. Every single night. Every weeknight, yeah. Five nights a week. Yes. Because I must really be low on the totem pole if you... I mean, <laughs> You were early in the pandemic. No, you take that back. You were early in the <laughs> pandemic. Um, but I, I, it served two purposes. One, it kept the podcast alive. I mean, this podcast could not be here now if I hadn't kept it aloft for as long you as I did. You eat this food five nights a week. Well, no, when I did it virtually, I did it five nights a week. I, I do it in the car weekly. Okay, then. Oh, no. If I, <laughs> I was thinking, that's a lot of hot dogs. That, that's a, the only well, thing I was here's thinking. Here's the great thing about Buona, Ike Riley. You could have a salad one night and soup the other night. I was I was going to order a salad, but I didn't want you to ridicule me. I, the, the buffalo salad here is delicious. But the point is, one, the podcast needed to be kept alive, and that was why I did it nightly during the pandemic. Also, it gave me something to focus on, knowing that the world was just this massive shit sandwich. I needed the distraction. It kept me connected with different people on a nightly basis, kept me connected with an audience. It was just a way to keep my mind and and social self engaged. I totally understand that because that was the same thing that our live stream did for our family. I mean, we would have probably, there would have been a mass murder in our house. (laughs) Police were called to Libertyville last night. (laughs) Five, you know, (laughs) Six Irish people, you know, who, we can't figure out who pulled the trigger, but they're <laughs> right. all dead. Right. <laughs> Described by neighbors as a charming family who never expect to do something like this. Always. Always. Yeah. All right. Ike Riley, thank you. You got it, James. Love the new album. Love your music. Always have. I got to say, I've always appreciated your enthusiasm about all music and, uh, I probably took you for granted, too, and I'm not anymore. Ike Riley.